chapter 4, beginning in verse 2, the word of the Lord. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your your now. Oh man, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Christ Jesus be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, as we begin, I can tell you that all week long I didn't trip over revive and receive, but something just happened in there. My brain went a little dyslexic on me. I don't know what went on there, but here we are at Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. And folks, you've got to pay attention to all the various letters that Paul writes. And you have to notice that Paul very rarely calls people out by name. And when he does, he does it so masterfully. Paul is the originator of the compliment sandwich, all right? Are you guys familiar with the compliment sandwich? I think we may have talked about it before. It's where you say a nice thing, and then you say your complaint, and then you follow up with another nice thing. For example, my wife may say to me, not that this is real, this is hypothetical completely, Nathan, I think your beard looks fantastic. 
I think the way that you have trimmed your beard is wonderful. But if I see another beard hair in my sink, I might kill you. But again, I think you've just shaped it wonderfully this time. I think so. I walk away going, man, my beard looks good. I better take care of that hair. But my beard looks good. It's a compliment sandwich. All right. Try it out on one another. It may or may not help. Might cause more problems than it helps. But it's what strategy Paul uses and what all the, you know, fancy counselors tell you to do. But he entreats Euodia and he entreats Syntyche to agree in the Lord. He asks this third person to help out. And he he talks about how they've labored side by side with him in the gospel. And he mentions Clement. Y'all worked with me with Clement, the rest of my fellow workers. And then says, your names are in the book of life. Again, this is him calling and exhorting for them to agree. But at the same time going, but look, you guys are doing great. Here's all the wonderful things that you guys are doing for the name of the Lord, but you have to figure out a way to agree, to come together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's more important fish to fry than whatever tiny squabble is going on between you. Now, in this passage, it's, it's very difficult because there are some translations that try to push this in a different direction. They try and say that Euodia and Syntyche are husband and wife, They try to say that this is a marital dispute and that this is a man and a woman, but that is not the case. In the Greek, both of these names are feminine. And it is very clear, he says, help these women. So now there is a true companion, a third party, that is supposed to help these two women. It is not a marital dispute. This is two friends, two very close friends who have had some sort of falling out. And we see this over and over in Scripture. We will be known as Christians by the way we are able to forgive and work through our differences. That's what's supposed to make us set apart from the rest of the world. We are called to be a forgiving people because we have experienced radical forgiveness in our lives. If we have truly experienced that kind of forgiveness, that's the kind of forgiveness we are supposed to offer one to another. And this issue, whatever it is, this falling out has become so severe that these ladies who are mentioned in the same way as Timothy and Titus and Mark and Philemon, all of these people that Paul calls out by name, these are right up there with him as co-laborers, possibly some of the first members of the church at Philippi. These are women of faith. These are not the ladies that are just nominally attending. These are not the ladies that just show up every now and again. These are the ladies that are putting together the events, that are leading the WMU, that are making things happen in the church and for the kingdom, and yet they've had this falling out. And and I want you to recognize that Paul says, their names are still in the book of life, but it is of utmost importance that they agree in the Lord. And you might be thinking, I... I don't understand what the big deal is. All of their testimony rides on their ability to get along and have unity in the church. In chapters 1 and 2, we have been leading up to this. There have been calls for unity elsewhere in chapter 2, especially when he says that they should agree in the Lord. It's the same verbiage that we saw in chapter 2, verse 2. That they should put each other's interests ahead of their own. That's the kind of agreement that Paul is talking about because their ability to witness and their testimony is riding on their ability to make peace with one another. And so look with me once again at chapter 3. 
Turn back in your Bibles, just maybe a page, to chapter 3, verses 13 through 21. We need to see what leads up to Paul saying this. Everything that leads up to this, the context around this passage, makes what he says to Euodia and Syntyche of utmost importance. He says in verse 13 of chapter 3, Brothers and sisters, siblings, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. These are all things that will play into his exhortation, his urging, his Demand that Yodia and Syntyche come back together in Christ and be united and be reconciled. Because you have to forget what happened in the past. You have to forget what lies behind. And if you, if you think there's nothing that is holding you back, God will reveal it to you also. Only hold true to what you have attained. You know the gospel. Yodia, you know the gospel. Syntyche, you know what you have attained in Christ. So hold true to that. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul is calling them to imitate him. And this is the same man who had a severe falling out with John Mark. If you'll remember, Paul goes on various missionary journeys and Paul and Barnabas start off going on journeys together. And then later in Scripture, in the book of Acts, you find that it's Paul and Silas. And Paul and Barnabas had to part ways over John Mark. John Mark went with them on a missionary journey and abandoned them because of the persecution that they were facing. And so when they were ready to go back on another trip, Paul said, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't taking John Mark with us. We don't know if he's going to stand firm when the time comes. We don't know if when he faces severe persecution, if he's going to give up again. And Barnabas goes, hey, listen, this is my kinfolk, all right? It's going to be okay. We can take him with us. He's a good guy. I'm going to vouch for him. And Paul says, no, Barnabas, I ain't going with him. And Barnabas says, okay, Paul, why don't you go that way, and we'll go this way. So Paul takes Silas, and Barnabas takes John Mark, and they part ways. But then you read in the book of Philemon the way that Paul talks about John Mark and how John Mark and he were reconciled and how much of a blessing that Mark was to him. Paul didn't hold grudges. Paul's the same guy that went to Peter when Peter wouldn't sit with the rest of the Gentiles. He would only sit with the Jews. He was segregating himself, and he would only sit with the elite crowd. And Paul walks right up to Peter and goes, Hey, this ain't right. You've got to be sitting with everybody, Peter. Who do you think you are? You think you're somebody special? You think just because you were one of the 12 following Jesus that you can sit with whoever you want? No, you've got to sit with everybody because we are one body. You've got to be united. He and Peter were at odds for a little bit, but they were reconciled because, one, Paul was right and Peter was wrong. And then Peter submits and says, you know what, Paul, you're right. And there's reconciliation. Folks, there is too much at stake for us to squabble over stupid, insignificant things in our lives. We are the quickest and easiest to be offended at the smallest thing especially church people, we are like the most sensitive folks in the society. Like, if you go to work outside of the church, people are ragging on you and ribbing on you. People are giving you the hardest time saying the meanest things to you, and you just got to take it and go with it. 
But you know what? Within the church, if I were to say, hey, you know what? That outfit is probably not the most becoming. It might not be the most modest thing that you could wear. I'd love for you to, to come back next week and maybe, maybe have something a little more modest on. Who does he think he is? Talking about my outfit. My outfit was gorgeous. I looked precious. And I don't care. Hey, uh, brother, those shorts are, are like almost up your thigh here, okay? And like this is church, and so if you could just wear some, maybe some pants next week. That wouldn't be distracting our sisters, all right? Our sisters are too distracted by your muscular thighs. You've got to put on some clothes, cover yourself. I cannot believe he would talk to me about my clothes. Hey, uh, this is church, and we dress up. You, you got a problem with the fact that I wore a T-shirt and jeans today? This is all I could get on. Just be glad I'm here. Folks, does any of this sound familiar to you? We are the most sensitive people with one another, and we will just write somebody off like that and make no effort to make amends with them. What's, what we'll do is we'll jump to another church. That's, that's what we do in the South. Oh, well, I don't get along with Karen Philpot. I just want you to know Karen will tell you like it is, and I want somebody that's going to pamper me. I want somebody that's going to nice things that are not true, and so I'm going to go find a church tell me what's nice but not true. Hey, you know what? If you come up to me and call me fat and ugly, I might be insulted because it might be a little bit true. You ever thought about some of the things that we get offended by or are offensive to us because deep down inside we're insecure about certain things in our life. And we think, we convince ourselves, no, that's not true. No, that's not possible. But when somebody says it and puts words to it and vocalizes it to you, all of a sudden it tags that insecurity deep down. Maybe that is true. Maybe that's how people really do look at me. I mean, I... I wear size 40 pants. Maybe I am a little bit of a large guy. Huh? Well, how dare they say that? We can't, we can't cope with it in and of ourselves, so we externalize it and force it onto the person who said whatever it was to us. The other option is somebody says something that you know is completely not true. They say something to you that is insulting and you know it is false. So why get upset? It's not true. If it ain't true... Why even be bothered by it? Who cares if they think something that's completely false when you know the truth and stand in the truth? Look, I, I don't know what Yodia and Syntyche were fighting over. I don't know what got in between these ladies, okay? I don't know if somebody liked one of them's potluck dish more than the other. I don't know if it was way more serious than that. I have no idea, and I don't want to speculate about things that we don't know. But what I do know is that Paul is so profoundly moved by their disunity, that he calls them out by name. I don't know what their falling out was, but falling outs in Christian life are not acceptable. You don't just get to write people off and never forgive them and just pretend like they don't exist and let that be the end of the story. Do you know why? Because we are absolutely, completely treacherous backstabbing rebels who ran from God, who chose to be God in and of ourselves, and God in His infinite mercy and grace and wisdom and love and kindness came back to us and said, look, you've offended me, but I'm going to make it right. Look, you've done me wrong in ways that you don't even comprehend. There's a debt over here that you could never pay. So guess what? I, as God, am going to pay it for you, with my life, with the life of my son, 
The God of all the universe gave up His one and only begotten Son so that you and I might be at peace with Him. 2 Corinthians says that He reconciled the world to Himself in, the de- in His death and resurrection on the cross. That He brought us near. Those who were far, He brought near. Those who were aliens and sojourners and foreigners, He adopted into His own family. And we want to get over the smallest most insignificant things. Folks, our testimony as a church, our testimony as Christians, rides on our ability to forgive and be united. Folks, that's just what Paul is talking about. Look, don't focus on all the bad. Don't focus on what they said. Listen to what he says in the remaining verses. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, don't think about the garbage. Think about these things. Think about what's true. Don't focus on what is false. Think about what is true. Don't focus on what is dishonorable. Focus on what is honorable. Don't focus on how somebody dishonored you. Focus on how honor was brought to your household and to you by God Almighty from you moving to them To offer forgiveness. Focus on whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and commendable. Paul is saying, don't get caught up in the garbage, in the junk. Don't get lost in the weeds. Focus on what is good. Focus on what God has done for us and freely offer forgiveness. Folks, we have people in this congregation who have experienced Terrible crimes against them and against their family. We have fellow church members, brothers and sisters in Christ, who have lost their children, lost at least one child to murder. And they have found a way to offer forgiveness to their child's murderer. And you and I struggle to offer forgiveness when somebody doesn't reply to our text. Do you get the disparity there? All they did was not reply to your text. And who knows, their phone could have messed up. And we want to get frustrated and write somebody off over the smallest thing. And yet, we are called to be people of unfathomable forgiveness. Because that's what God was and is to us. That's how the world recognizes us. Do you know why social media exploded when that man went and hugged his brother's murderer and exemplified Christian forgiveness? Do you know why the world went nuts over that? Because they can't comprehend it. Because that's what makes us stand out as Christians. Because that's the kind of love and mercy and forgiveness we've been shown and we are called to show to others no matter the offense. There is no offense in my life or in your life that could top what we did to God. Not a single thing in our lives can top what we have done and continue to do to God over and over again. Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were yet sinners, while we were still running, while we were still spitting in His face, He came and died for us. Jesus washed Judas's feet. Jesus washed Judas's feet. The same guy that sold him for 30 pieces of silver after 
after spending three years learning from Him, watching the miracles, seeing everything that happened, He stabbed Him in the back as figuratively and literally as is possible. And I want you to know, every one of us in this room is Judas. I am Judas. I have stabbed my Lord and Savior in the back and He washed my feet anyway. And I don't know what Yodia and Syntyche are fighting about. And I don't know what fight you may be coming out of, what fight you may be into, what may have happened ten years ago that you still hadn't talked to people over. But I'm here to tell you, and Scripture's here to tell all of us, me included, that if we're not people of forgiveness... Our name might not be in the book. When we experience forgiveness, we offer it to others, even in the prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. Lord, forgive me of my debts. Forgive me of my transgressions as I forgive those who have transgressed against me, as I forgive my debtors. The measure with which we measure will be measured against us. There's no getting around it, folks. Paul forgave somebody who abandoned him in the midst of persecution. That's why he calls for them to pay attention. In verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, after he gets through that, verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Paul's name has been tarnished and thrown and drugged through the mud. There have been people who have made fun of him, and Paul works beside them to plant more churches. It never stops Paul. So he says, these things that you've learned from me, you received them from me, you heard them from my very lips, and you saw them put into action by my actions. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. When we practice forgiveness, the peace of God will rest upon us. It's that same piece that in verse 6 he says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then in verse 7, the peace of God. How many times have you prayed this over somebody? Ask for the peace that surpasses all knowledge and understanding to guard someone's heart. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is a flood of peace that comes with Christ-centered forgiveness. It's a peace that's not found in revenge. It's a peace that's not found in getting even. Ask anybody who has tried to get even with someone who offended them. Did that feel good? Was it satisfying? You know, maybe for like 30 seconds, and then I was just left with this empty void of, what now? My whole life was geared around being angry with them. So what, what do I do now? But when we offer forgiveness, as we have been offered forgiveness, there is a peace that is intangible to us. We can't grab it. We can't know it. It surpasses all of our understanding. And it will guard our hearts and our minds. Folks, we have been forgiven of an incredible debt. We ought to offer the same forgiveness. How many times do we find ourselves being unreasonable? You want unreasonable demands from whoever has wronged you. That's why Paul says in verse 
5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand. Forget what happened in the past. Strive forward. Press on for the upward call in Christ Jesus. We don't have time to have delicate sensibilities. We don't have time to be frustrated over imagined insults and offenses. We don't have time for that kind of stuff because the Lord is at hand. We have to press on. We have a gospel to preach. We got people to reach. We got a world that is hurting and we need to offer forgiveness and forget about all this small, trivial junk. But you don't know what happened at the band. You don't know what happened with the football team. They made fun of my kid. And I can handle people make fun of me, but you're not going to make fun of my kid. Who cares? It's temporal anyway. It doesn't matter. I sound insensitive because to you it might be a serious offense. But I want you to understand there's people who have had much greater offenses who have offered forgiveness anyway. One of those is our Savior and our Lord and our Master, Jesus the Christ. One of those is the Apostle Paul who says, all these things that you've seen and heard and learned from me, imitate those. Folks, we ought to be the people who are willing to take a fall and say, you know what? The gospel is more important than this. I forgive you. Let's move on. I, I forgive you. Let's move on. Folks, if we're not going to be those kind of people, I don't know that those are the people that have their name in the book of life. The people who offer forgiveness as they have been forgiven, those are the ones that Paul is talking about. That's why he urges for unity throughout this letter and goes so far as to call people by name. And so, I just have to ask this morning, if Paul were still alive, and he were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write a letter to Bethany Baptist Church that we would then read to the whole congregation, do you think he'd have to mention me or mention you by name and entreat us to offer forgiveness and to agree in the Lord? Or do you think instead of a compliment sandwich, he would just give us a compliment? for our ability to forgive and move on. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your love, for the forgiveness that You offered to us. Lord, the forgiveness that's still available today for anyone who has not trusted in You, anyone who has not accepted You as their Master and their Lord, anyone who has not accepted You as their Savior. Father, I ask that you would help us to be a forgiving church. God, help me to be a man of forgiveness. Lord, help us to exemplify the love that you have shown us. To forgive our debtors, Lord. Father, we, we ask that you would move in power this morning. Your word would go forward. Father, that maybe it would pierce some of our hearts and we would seek to reconcile with those who we've been at odds with for maybe days, weeks, months, or even years. 
God, we, we love you so much. We ask for you to change our hearts, help us to forgive. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, we're going to have a time of response as we do every